Amen. If you got your Bible, open them to Daniel, the sixth chapter. Amen. What a great, wonderful group of people God's called together. I've always thought, Lord, we started from nothing. and You've gathered all these people with such talents and abilities. And I thought, you must have a great big plan. Hey, I just want to be a little part of his great big plan. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Daniel 6 and 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. The Bible said he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed. Everybody say he prayed. And gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. That means just like he always had. Amen. And I want to preach tonight about a pattern. Everybody say a pattern of prayer. Amen. A pattern of prayer. Amen. Set your Bibles down and lift your hands to the Lord together. Come on. I, I want God to help us tonight. I want Him to touch somebody. I want Him to strengthen people. I want Him to get people on the track to success living for God. Come on, prayer warriors. Help me pray all across this house. God, we need your hand in this place. We need your strength in this place, God. We need your help one more time. Come on, why don't you join up with somebody next to you if it's appropriate. Join your faith with their faith. Hallelujah. God's going to do something. Come on, God will do something if we're looking for something. If we're hungry for it, God will feed us tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now in a way of worship, put your hands together for Jesus. Amen. He's the Lord of lords and the King of kings. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I want to preach. Everybody say a pattern. I want to preach about a pattern of prayer. Amen. The people that I have watched in my life who were uh, great people who had great ministries, they were all people of prayer. Amen. The people that were given the gifts of the Spirit, it seemed like to me they were always praying people. Amen. The people that made it through the trials, they always seemed like praying people. Amen. And I figured out a long time ago, if, if I'll be a praying person, I don't believe God is any respecter of persons. I don't think he cares what your last name is. I don't think he cares what side of the tracks you came from or what kind of family you came out of. I don't believe God cares the mistakes you made in the past. I believe God pays attention to where people are at right now. What your mind is, what you're what you wanting to do. 
Amen. I want to preach about a pattern. A pattern is a certain way you do something. A pattern is a design. It's something that you follow. If carpet has a pattern, it's just duplicated over and over. One of the most important things about a pattern is is that it's repeated. It's repetitive. Man, in the old days, the ladies used to have a pattern that they would make dresses out of. I don't know for sure, but I imagine you could probably make as many dresses as you wanted. As long as you followed the pattern over and over and over again. Man, there's many things in this life that you're never going to accomplish until you learn how to follow a pattern. And I hope, I hope there's some people that can endure some sound doctrine in 2024. Amen. Because we're at the finish line if you want to know the truth. The Lord is about to come back. Hallelujah. If we ever needed to get a hold of the pattern of the Bible, what God wants us to be, it's, everybody say it's right now. It's not time to play games. It's not time to get offended. It's not time to start gossiping and worrying about what everybody else is doing. It's time to get a hold of the word of God and get locked in. Say whatever this word of God tells me to do, I'm going to do it. Uh, Hallelujah. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house tonight. I feel like God's going to confirm some things to people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, you got to learn how to establish some routines in your life you got to learn how to get consistent if you're ever going to be what God wants you to be. I said you got to get consistent if you're going to be what God wants you to be. Many are called, but few are chosen. Uh, come on, God's looking for some consistency. Well, everybody ought to clap your hands. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Inconsistency kills progress. This is what the Lord dealt with me about this morning. I thought this 30 days of prayer, I had Brother Mike Blakely all lined up to come preach, and he called me last night and said he's got the flu. I said, well, that's fine. Just stay home. <laughs> he may God will give me something to preach tomorrow morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I got up and I started praying, God, give me something to preach. Amen. The Lord brought this to me. Inconsistency will kill progress. You can't make progress one step forward, one step backwards. One foot in, one foot out. Amen. You'll always end up right where you're at. You'll never. But when you make up your mind, I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to take my flesh by the nap of the neck. I'm going to pick it up and say, flesh, you may not feel like going to church on a Wednesday night. You may be tired, but I got to make some progress tonight. You're going to go. And when you get there, you're going to worship. When you get there, you're going to put your hands together. When you get there, you're going to shout.
shout. You're going to amen. You're going to get involved. Come on, everybody. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody shout, the devil's a liar. I think we can be consistent. You know, I know we can. You know, I believe we can. I've seen too many people that did it. You can't tell me it's impossible. I've seen people do it. Amen. I've seen people pray 50 years for one person to get the Holy Ghost. And it happened. I read a story about a man that built an ark and it took him 120 years. But his family went, you got to get up, Noah. You got to be consistent. Uh, There's coming a day. uh, You don't want to be left behind. Uh, You got to get up every day. Grab that hammer. uh, Grab that wood. uh, Do what you got to do. You got to be consistent, Noah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm preaching about one of the most difficult things. That there is living for God is just becoming consistent. Amen. Praise God. Can I just preach a little while to you? If most of the time you're sweet to your spouse and you love them and you're kind and talk sweet to them, but if every now and then you just go crazy. Amen, you may have been saying sweet things for a month, but I can tell you, you can open your mouth. You can grab a frying pan. <laughs> you can lose every progress you've ever made. Well, I, everybody's scared amen right now, but it's okay. Amen, I was praying all day and the Lord told me what to preach. Come on, I'm going to help somebody in this house. You can't make progress by being good one day. And Well, she knows when she better get out of the house and leave me alone. Yeah, I, I know you ain't making progress. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Let me look this way a little while. Hallelujah. I love consistency. I like to wake up and know that I'm loved every morning. Well, I don't want to wonder whether she still loves me or not when I wake up. I like living in consistency. Well, praise God. Hang on. I'm trying to preach a little while. Amen. Let me... I've watched through the years. See, I, I grew up in a different school. It was called the old one. And I've I watched people raise children, and it's so hilarious to me, but it's kind of sad. Like, if, if sometimes no means no, but sometimes no is just white noise, in the background you're not making any progress but but when mom I didn't come to preach about this 
when mom and dad get consistent, when they say no, and every time they're ignored, they get up and take care of it. And they're consistent. You know what you're going to do? You're going to raise children that everybody loves. You get text messages saying your children are so well behaved. Hallelujah. Man, I I should have turned my pulpit around backwards. Praise God. I feel sorry for people who grew up inconsistent. When my dad said, no, you ain't going, you know what it meant? No, you ain't going. I learned what no meant. I'm so blessed. Well, hallelujah. Let me just turn over to some good parts, maybe. Who knows? Everybody say consistent. Most people are pretty honest most of the time. Hallelujah. Thank God for honest people. Thank God for people with fair balances. God said a false balance is an abomination. You know, they, they used to weigh things. You remember the scales had something on this side? So when you put a 25, whatever gram it was over here, weight, and you weighed out the wheat or the corn or whatever. But you didn't take a, a 10 gram one and scroll 25 on it. God said, I'm watching. God said, I know how much that thing weighs. I, I, want, I want to talk to you about being consistent in your life and becoming blessed. Most people are honest most of the time. Praise God. Most and most. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. But if there's certain times you can't be honest, and you just, you know, well, you know, I had a perfect excuse. I needed to do this, or I needed to do that, or I had a good purpose. Let me tell you, there's never a good purpose to be dishonest. Well, praise God. It's never a good reason. Say, how, how, how could you say that? This is how I say it, because anytime somebody would try to lie or cheat, it's to try to get ahead. But you can't get ahead if God's looking down at you. Can I preach a little while about just being consistent? If God's watching, God's weighing everything out, what good would it do to have a false balance? We're just going to get in trouble. God will take what we've already got. And it ain't going to be one step forward and one step back. 
When God gets mad at you, you may take one step forward and end up 10 steps backwards. Well, I don't know how I got on all this, but I'm talking about becoming consistent. Everybody say consistent. There is power in setting patterns and just following the pattern. If you don't know what the pattern ought to be, there's a whole lot of patterns in this book. You don't know how you should treat people? There's a whole lot of patterns in this book. Don't know how to deal with people? There's patterns in this book. Hallelujah. Amen. I, if you spend less money than you make, that's good. Praise God. But if every now and then, I'm going to get somewhere in a little while. But if every now and then you get that Dillard's clearance, you whoop out all the plastic. Praise God. Mine's even green to help me spin more. Green. That would get you in trouble right there. If normally you spend less than you make, that's good. But if every now and then you just go on a binge, all the effort that you made all those weeks spending less than you made did you no good when you seen that four-wheeler at Bass Pro Shop? Well, hang on. Hang on. I started to say that uh, MK purse, but I said that Bass Pro Shop four-wheeler. Amen. It don't really matter what it is. You got to learn how to be consistent in everything in life. If you want to get ahead, if you want to be successful, you got to be consistent. You got to follow the patterns. Amen. Consistency, following patterns will bring results. Hallelujah. In the natural world, it's very, very true. If you study the life of people who are uh, successful in this life, they were very consistent. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. I know God changes directions sometimes and God puts us on different things and opens up different deals and I understand he's done things for me in my past and, and I'm thankful for it. But uh, my pastor was always really hard on me because every day I had a brand new idea. <laughs> Amen. I'm just, I'm just, I'm going to talk to you a little while. I hope it's all right. Amen. He, he would talk, I would tell him, man, or I wouldn't say man, I would say, pastor, man, I'm about to, I'm about to make so much money, I'm going to pay off every church you could ever build. Think about this, pastor. And I would tell him my idea. And he would say, 
Why don't you work on the one you told me about yesterday? And I, and I didn't like everything he said, but finally he got down to telling me, just opening up and being honest. If you'll just be consistent, if you'll just get good at something. Not that I, I might know what he's talking about now. He said, just become the best at something. And just, he said, God will take you places you never dreamed of. And I'm not, I'm not telling, I'm not giving people this. I'm just telling you what my pastor told me a long, long time ago. When I was a very young man that knew everything. But what I got out of him was you need to learn how to be consistent. You're not going to win unless you get consistent. So in the natural, following a pattern and just over and over is what, if it's a right pattern, makes people successful. And the Lord just began to deal with me today about it's even more so in the spiritual man that you've got to get consistent. You'll overcome doubt if you'll be consistent. You'll overcome all your fears if you just get consistent. Amen. I'm thankful for the word of God. I'm telling you, we we don't even comprehend how blessed we are to have a word of God. If you began to study church history, you will see that uh, the people of God never really got to have the word of God because it was kept from them by, by the higher powers. They knew if I give this Bible to the common man, he's going to know I'm lying to him. He's going to know that there ain't a such a thing as purgatory if he gets to read it all by himself. And I was studying not long ago the beginning of the Protestant Reformation where, where all the churches left the Catholic Church. The big fight and the big split happened when a man named Martin Luther goes to college. And when he gets to the college library, he never seen a Bible in his life. He'd been told what the Bible said. But when he took that Bible off the shelf of the library and laid it down and began to read it, he realized there's more to living for God than what I've been told. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And I'm talking about by just going through the Bible one time. He realized I'd been lied to my whole life. Uh, He realized there's more. I can get the Holy Ghost. Uh, Hey man, I don't have to do what I... And it was stories of men over and over that would come in contact with the word of God. And when they began to read it consistently, it began to change their lives. When they began to understand that the Bible said pray without ceasing. And they began to uh, put that in their life. I'm going to carve out a little bit of time and I'm going to 
pray every day. And when people learn I need to pray and they begin to follow this pattern, something begin to happen to them. I don't know if you know all this, but amen, but for many, many hundreds of years, there were all kinds of denominations. But when they began to pray, guess what? They began to get the Holy Ghost. They might not even know what it was, but there were reports of people that would fall out drunk. Amen. If you think, amen, that because the the sign says Pentecost, that God's going to always let us keep it. You're all mixed up. You know how we're going to keep it? Somebody's got to get consistent. When the church goes from programs to prayer meetings, we've messed up. I'm thankful for consistency. I want to look at some patterns of the old church. I'm from the old school and the old church. In Acts, the second chapter in this 37th verse, the Bible said now, When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, everybody say, repent and be baptized, every one of you, not just if you feel like it, but every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, not however you want to, and not whoever wants to, but it was every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you, and to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall, everybody say call. And with many other words oh you ain't heard nothing yet (laughs) he said with many other words did he testify and exhort saying save yourself from this untoward generation you're talking about a beautiful pattern that the bible gives us a lot of times there's a lot of focus on his first sermon In Acts, the second chapter in the 14th verse through the 36th verse, the apostle Peter is preaching a message. In Acts 2.37, the message messed up their mind. It wrecked everybody that was there that did not have the Holy Ghost. And they asked the question, what shall we do? Acts 2.38 was the beginning. Everybody say the beginning of another sermon. He just got through preaching one sermon uh, and they asked one question, what shall we do? Uh, Hey Ben, don't ask a preacher a question if you don't want another sermon. Don't ask somebody fired up for Jesus a question uh, if you don't want to hear it from Genesis. Genesis is a revelation. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. There was a lady called me the other day and she was cussing, but uh, she, she wasn't mad cussing. She, <laughs> she was saying, I met your son at IHOP. And I asked him, where'd y'all come from? You look like lawyers. He said, we come from church. She said, well, what kind of church is it? She said, he started in Genesis and ended up in Revelation. She said... Co-mingled with a bunch of uh, adjectives that she didn't know better than to say. She, she was trying to tell me, your son really knows that Bible. <laughs> I told Matthew, you really affected there. She's supposed to come to church. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. But Acts 2.38 wasn't the end all. It was the beginning of a second sermon. He had already preached to him, you done killed Jesus. You crucified him. He talked about the end of the world and all that and shook him up. That's what preaching does. It shakes people up. Amen. They said, okay, uh, what shall we do? And then the man with the keys to the kingdom started preaching again. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Then the writer Luke, I guess uh, he was talking faster than he could write. Because Luke just says, and with many other words. In other words, I just pulled up a chair and sat down. Because Simon Peter done got an open invitation to tell somebody how to make it to heaven and how to live their life. I thank God for patterns. I thank God I ain't got to figure it out all by myself. I'm thankful I don't have to wonder. Wonder what's right. Wonder what's wrong. I tell you what's right. I tell you what's wrong. It's this, this Bible will tell us we open it up but it say many words he said Luke would say there's a whole bunch of stuff that he said about living for God amen but he kind of summed it up and said you just got to save yourself I want to cross your theology with the word of God but there's going to be a whole lot of stuff you got to do this phony baloney religion that says God's going to do everything and you just twiddle your thumbs and act like you always did and drink what you always drank and smoke what you always smoked and talk like you always talked. No, there was, some, there was some patterns that were established in the Word of God. Amen. And so when he gets finished preaching the second message, the Bible said, then they that gladly received his word. 
gladly. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You got to get happy when the word's going for. Amen. If it steps on your toes a little bit, you just got to sit there and grin like, boy, I needed a good toe stomping tonight. Amen. I know Simon Peter, he wasn't a real nice guy because I think he cut people's ears off with swords and chewed people out. Amen. So he's telling them how to live their life. And the Bible said there was a bunch of them that gladly received it and were baptized. And the same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Praise God. Amen. Then, then the beautiful part comes, if, if, if it is beautiful to you. Acts 2 and 42 said they continued. Praise God. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and breaking of bread, and in prayers. This was the pattern of the first church. They believed everything the apostles preached. They believed you had to repent of your sins. They believed you had to be baptized in the only saving name, the name of Jesus. They believed except the man was born of the water and the spirit, he could not enter into the kingdom of God. They believed you had to get the Holy Ghost in order to be saved. This was the pattern. They believed and followed the teachings of the apostles. Now, who would we think we were to say, you know what? Let's just have a vote. I mean, this is 2024. We're smart. We got the internet. We can read the Bible on our iPhones. Don't you think some of that stuff is archaic? Yeah, it is. Amen. It's ancient, matter of fact. Hallelujah. Boy, it wouldn't be something if somebody just said, I want to get a hold of the pattern. It was later. Do you believe all scripture was given by inspiration of God? A-L-L-O, did you hear me? Do you still believe that all scripture was given by inspiration of God and it is profitable? I believe it with all my heart. So, this was their pattern. They believed every bit of the doctrine that the apostles taught, which means the teachings. That's what that big word doctrine means. It's just the teachings. They believed in fellowship. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know what fellowship means? Uh, it's a shared. Everybody say shared. Everybody say participation in a community. Praise God. Hallelujah. The pattern of the first church was that they believed the doctrine, but they continued in that fellowship. 
which means that everybody, there's no fellowship if there's no assembly. There's no fellowship if you hate people. (laughs) There's no fellowship if you won't talk to this one or that one or that one or that one. Hey, hey, I'm sorry. We we got a pattern that God laid out a long time ago. And when you... Hey, there's a reason this is in the Bible. When you feel yourself drawing back. Praise God. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I'm just going to sit in the car until five minutes after church starts because I don't really like people. You don't like God if you don't like people. Hallelujah. He said... He said, if you say you love God and you hate your brother, I don't want to add to it and say a bold face, but I'll just say it like he he said, you're a liar. Amen. You know what he was saying? I've established a pattern. uh, Amen. That people, my people are going to fellowship one another. What time? Boy, I'm glad they didn't sing very long because I'm going to preach a long time tonight. This is why why people try to use an excuse of why I can't fellowship. Well, Pastor, I'll have to talk to you about this in my office, in your office. They took my pew. No, hang on, hang on. I ain't heard that in a long time. They took my parking spot. They moved my coat. Hallelujah. Don't you know the Bible knew that we were people when the Bible was written? Didn't you don't you know that God knew we were flat, fallen man? Don't you know that God knew sometimes we were going to open our mouth and say things we shouldn't say? And don't you know, that's why he said, if you don't forgive people, you're not going to be forgiven. Because the pattern is that God's people fellowship. I don't know if this is good or not. Seemed like... Seemed like God gave me something good to say. I don't know. Amen. I, it feels good to me. When you feel yourself withdrawing, understand that's the enemy trying to pull you from fellowship. I want to tell you, if you'll just do whatever it takes. Hey, li- hey, people get mad at preachers sometimes. You know that? And sometimes rightfully so. Amen. There's a lot of times I think, man, I wish I wouldn't have said that like that. Amen. Boy, this, this may be good preaching for us. So, did you know there's a whole lot of different ways to say the same thing? Praise God. Well, there's a way that's repulsive. 
there's a way that just kind of irritates them. There's a way that don't really irritate them and don't. And then there's a way to say things and make them think, well, that was sweet. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God, help me. Praise God. Amen. I appreciate everybody that does everything around this church. Amen. But you know, when people do stuff, sometimes they don't do it exactly like you would do it. Sometimes they don't do it even like I would do it. Amen. Did you know sometimes people do stuff uh, in excess because they think it's better? When maybe... This is good preaching. And uh, this is nervous preaching. When my wife starts grinning at me, she's getting nervous. Amen. I walked in here yesterday and I thought, what does that bleach smell? And I started coughing. (coughs) What on earth is that? And I realized my wife came to me and said the same thing, something. There's bleach or something in the in the sanctuary. Then it dawned on me, that ain't bleach. That's chlorine in the baptistry. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. I don't know, Brother Gee, I don't know if he did it or Brother Kyle. That's my baptistry technicians. And they're awesome. Was it you? Oh, I don't know. Amen. I, it may have been, it may have been the devil coming in and did. I don't know. But anyway, it was like putting off a chlorine gas in this place. And I thought, well, it's too late to do anything about it tonight. So I prayed, God, I hope nobody's allergic to chlorine gas. So I got here this morning and smelled the same way. And Brother Geed was here. And you know what? I don't know if he did or who did or whatever. But I know Brother Geed, he's always looking out for me. This guy, he'll take out the trap. Nobody has to ask him. He takes out, he, on Wednesdays, he, he's here vacuuming. He's cleaning. He goes preaching. He, it don't matter. He does. He's 1,000% behind me. And I, I could have been an idiot. I said, Brother Gee, don't you know when you put chlorine in a baptistry, if you put too much, I, I haven't been to school on how to how much chlorine you need in a baptistry. I'm assuming he's never been to school for that. I just told him a few months ago, when that algae starts growing, it's because there ain't no chlorine in it. So he wants to make sure when you get baptized, there ain't no green stuff growing. Zeta. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I could have said, man, and I don't even know if it's him. It could have been. I don't know, Brother Kyle, you ever been to school? I don't know how to tell. Cameras, there you go. 
Amen. I'm not looking at the cameras, I promise. So I could have been an idiot and told him, man, you did it wrong. Don't even, don't touch the baptistry no more. You're going to make somebody cough. I could have hurt his feelings to the point where it could have been a, a root of bitterness spring up in him. And instead, we were both laughing this morning. I wonder, you know what I think happened? I think we got too much chlorine in there, Brother Geese. And he was just laughing from ear to ear and took the chlorine out and I opened the door and turned the pants on. He still loves me. I still love him. We're going to heaven. Oh, I feel Jesus in this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's how fellowship gets messed up. People don't count their words. Way out. What is this going to sound like when I say it? Hey, I'm just, sometimes that's why I'm preaching real slow. <laughs> Weighing it out. It may feel good to one person, but this other person may. And I don't want to hurt nobody. I want everybody to get a hold of this pattern. Come on, it ain't all about Acts 2.38. I believe it with all my heart. You got to get the Holy Ghost. You got to repent. You got to get baptized. But then you got to learn how to fellowship. That means you got to love everybody. And if they sit down at the table across from you, you got to smile while they're sitting there. Hallelujah. This is the pattern. Praise God. I'm trying to hurry. Breaking bread. My Lord, what a beautiful pattern of coming together. Man, we just finished 30 days of eating together. As people told me, man, I, I, I enjoyed that so much, getting to meet other people. Which that tickles me. <laughs> Amen. They act like it's a big church. It's a little bitty church to me. But anyway, coming. To, this is just a pattern. You know what? You, you ought to make a point every now and then. I want to. I want to get together with somebody and sit down and just spend some time and eat lunch with them and talk to them. And Amen. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. Don't get scared. I'm preaching about the pattern. They continued in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. Amen. That means the apostles all got along. If they butted heads, they worked it out. Ain't nothing wrong with disagreeing with somebody. The problem is when you harbor it. Amen. Fellowship. Breaking of bread. And then this is what I come to preach about and they continued in the pattern of, everybody say prayer. Everybody say again prayer. Let me tell you, every person that I ever met who, who really understood the things of God, they were people of prayer. I believe there's so much understanding that comes from prayer that if you never establish a prayer life, you, you won't comprehend even what God's doing. 
Hallelujah. Amen. So even in the Old Testament before the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, Daniel understood, amen, that if I pray, God will fight my battles. I don't know where Daniel got this pattern from, from the Old Testament. He must have had a mom or a dad or a grandma or grandpa or somebody that said, Daniel, no matter where life takes you, pray every day. You end up in the king's castle, pray every day. If you end up a beggar on the street, make sure you're praying every day. Hallelujah. And he established long before the Holy Ghost was given. Daniel three times a day was praying. And it meant so much to him. It was so important to him that even when everybody else around him was not praying, he said, I'm going to get my compass and I'm going to figure out where Jerusalem is. And I'm going to get on my knees three times a day and I'm going to talk to the Lord. Let me tell you something, church. If you will establish a pattern of prayer, your life will be miracle after miracle. I want to tell you the world will never understand people that pray. It it makes no sense to a carnal person why somebody would stop their day and talk to somebody they can't even see. Let me tell you, if there's Middle Eastern countries that get down on their knees seven times a day, and pray to a God who's never did anything for them. I don't think it's too out of bounds to say the church of the living God ought to have a prayer life. So when the people begin to get angry with Daniel, I don't know why that there's something about when somebody begins to take a spiritual journey, that people that used to like them don't like them anymore. I don't know if it's intimidating to them or they feel that left behind feeling, but it happens every single time. Amen, when somebody begins to go to a new level, you may have to find some new friends. Hallelujah. So they began to talk to the king. I want you to make a law, king. There's, a, there's people that are praying. And they ain't praying to you, oh king. Amen. Why don't we make a law that they got to pray? You know what they were doing? They were appealing to that king's flesh. They were trying to prop him up. You don't have to do very much propping up if somebody's carnal. You... you He bought right into that. Yeah, let's make a law. And he signed the decree 
Nobody can pray to anybody else except the king of Babylon. Well, I'm sorry if I've already got a pattern established. Daniel said, I don't care what laws you sign. Do what you got to do, but I'm a prayer warrior. And I'm going to go back just like I always did. And I'm going to get down on my knees. And I'm going to pray. One day they put him in a den of lions. This is what they did to people who did not mind. It's what they did to early Christians. Put them in a den of lions. Praise God. Let me tell you what would harm anybody else. Will not harm somebody who's got a pattern of prayer in their life. Come on. There's things that would destroy somebody else. But when it happens to somebody who's got a pattern of prayer, a pattern of touching God, it... Oh, I feel Jesus in this place. Don't worry about what you're going to go through. Don't worry about what you are going through. Worry about whether I'm still got the pattern in my life or not. If you still got the pattern, you're going to be all right tomorrow morning when the king comes back. When the king comes back. Oh, Daniel. You know what? The king even believed in prayer. Or he would have never even gone back. What made him do that? First of all, he knew Daniel. Second of all, he'd probably seen a lot of people thrown in that den of lions. He'd probably heard the sound that it makes. And he didn't hear it that day. And they dropped Daniel in there. I want to tell you something. If you want God to open up the windows of heaven, it's got to be repetitive you, you got to do it every day you got to be consistent at it you may survive inconsistently I don't know maybe I, I don't think I would when you get into the pattern it becomes part of your life Prayer will begin to work things out and you won't lay awake worrying about how am I going to pay these bills? What's going to happen to me if I end up in a den of lions? Well, let me tell you, if, you, if, you, if you're a prayer warrior, you're going to be all right. I know this ain't no great revelation, but you, you know where Daniel's protection came from? It came from that pattern of prayer. Hang on. Do you know where his promotions came from? 
from that pattern of prayer. When they got the Holy Ghost and they began to walk in that house and begin to pray and that house began to shake. You know that why that house began to shake? That wasn't the first time they prayed. Because they had already continued steadfast in prayer. When Paul and Silas are locked up in stocks, their hands and their feet, and it's midnight. Don't you feel sorry for me? Not if you know how to pray. I feel sorry for the devil. How, how does it happen? Two men sitting in prison, locked up at midnight in the darkest hour of the night, and they begin to pray and sing praises to God, and an earthquake comes. How does that happen? Praying everywhere they went. We're prayer warriors. <laughs> Tell you the first church was a praying church. I've studied history of history may bore some people, but I like it. I've studied even past the Bible. In the Bible, when people prayed, something happened. But God didn't quit when the Bible ended. Because there's always been a people that would pray. And when people would pray, God would show up. When people would pray, God would answer prayers. When people would pray, the Holy Ghost would fall. Talking about all through the ages. Anytime people started praying, something would happen. The people that the Mennonites came out of were called the Anabaptists. You know what they were known for? They were known for holiness and prayer. And in their documentation, they would say, many times people would become slain in the spirit. You read the documents of the Wesleyans, also called the Methodists. When they would begin to pray, the spirit would fall. God didn't care if the preacher's name was John Wesley or John Doe. It didn't matter. When the congregation started praying, uh, the Spirit of God would come down. Uh, there would be reports. People speaking in tongues. People rolling on the floor. Uh, people laid out. The early 1900s, Charles Parham would read the word of God and he, and he thought, you know what? This Holy Ghost has got to be real. He had this little college and they, 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 they weren't called the United Whatevers. <laughs> they were just people, just hungry people. And they began to pray. And one day he went to preach somewhere and he left a Bible with each one of them. He said, I, I want y'all to look and study today and I want you to tell me what you think by the Bible is the evidence that somebody's received the Holy Ghost. 
when he comes back from preaching wherever he was, what did you come up with? This one said, you got to speak in tongues. This one said, when you get it, you're going to speak in tongues. That one said, when you get the Holy Ghost, you're going to speak in tongues. He said, well, why don't we pray until we speak in tongues? Hey, we get, we get too mixed up with titles and positions and names and all this stuff that sometimes we can miss the will of God. So Parham, he ain't got the Holy Ghost. He ain't got the Holy Ghost, but he, he puts his hand on this lady's head because he read. The apostles did that. All of a sudden, this lady... Early 1900s begins to speak with other tongues. And then another one did. A few days later, the preacher gets the Holy Ghost. Begins to spread. Begins to spread. Spreads all the way to Houston. From there, it spreads all the way to Azusa Street. Then it comes back everywhere. Yes. But the same places it was exploding, when they quit praying, it began to collapse. Same movements that believed in it, received it. When they quit doing it, it collapsed. And they lost it. You know what I'm determined? I never, ever want to lose this powerful truth God gave us. Let me tell you, the dangers of humanity, the dangers of the blessings, is that when you get enough money in your pocket to pay next month's electric bill ahead of time, the urgency for prayer begins to back up. When you know somebody's always going to bail you out, you lose the urgency. You know, my prayer is, God, I want people to get a hold of this. We prayed for 30 days together, but I pray that it's not the end. What I'm praying is, God, this is going to be a spark. Spark that God's going to send revival to our whole city and state. Because there was a little church on Jeanette Street that said, what would happen if we came together and just prayed, sought the face of God? I wonder what would happen. I wonder what would happen right now if we just started praying. I wonder whose healing would happen tonight if we just started praying right now. I wonder what doors would open for people if we just began to pray right now. You know, come on, I have no hope for people that don't pray. 
Uh, I have no confidence. Somebody that don't pray will make it. Oh, but I'm full of faith. Sharabasiata. <laughs> Come on, in the name of Jesus. God established something in people tonight. Establish consistency. Come on, I feel Jesus in this place. Come on, in Jesus' name. Could we turn it into a room of prayer right now? Come on, this would be a beautiful night somebody to establish a new pattern in their life. Come on. Come on, let God stabilize. Come on, don't don't let your life be a Reuben. Don't let it be said we are as unstable as water. And let us follow this pattern. (laughs) Come on. Come on, could you pray until the Spirit of God begins to flow through you? Come on, could you make some commitments to God? God, from this point forward, from this point forward, God, I'm going to be consistent. God, I'm going to follow the patterns you laid out. Come on, there's a deep moving. God's doing great things. Arrasing. 